the podcast. I hope you're having just the best morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, when you're listening. I'm having a great day. It's actually Friday when I'm recording this and I typically, actually I typically do record these close to the end of the week because I like to give kind of a summary of my week and I think it's easier to do that on a Friday. But today's podcast is just honestly kind of a come to Jesus moment with myself. The funny thing is I sat down to actually write out this podcast thinking of kind of when I moved back from when I moved from New York City to Texas, things I learned about embracing like a slow life and really trying to eliminate habits of hurriness and busyness. I don't really know if hurriness is a word, but I think busyness is. And I was writing it and I was just thinking, you know what? I actually don't have all of these things down. Like I'm still learning so much and especially when it comes to kind of living a quiet life and prioritizing my walk with God and prioritizing my prayer life and my spiritual life. And so I do just want to give a disclaimer that this is going to be a more like faith-based podcast. I still think that these topics, even if you're not a Christian, do really apply to you. But a lot of it is kind of centered on, actually all of it is centered on my relationship with God and that kind of being on the back burner lately and me just feeling very convicted in prioritizing the wrong things and focusing on the wrong things, I am literally about to start crying and it's like two minutes into this podcast. But it really is just kind of an emotional thing for me because I think in life sometimes we get so caught up in living life out through kind of the basic things of your job and your relationship and your family and kind of going through the motions and it has quite honestly been a very long time since I just sat down and kind of asked myself, you know, how am I doing with God? What's my relationship with God like? Am I feeling very connected? Am I feeling like I'm really prayerfully seeking out God's wisdom in my life? Am I, you know, just doing things because I think that they're what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I actually consulting God? And I just started asking myself these questions and I really realized that I have not. My priorities have been elsewhere. And so kind of the breakdown of this episode, the title is why I no longer live how I used to live, habits I've changed and embracing slow living. But I want to say that the habits I've changed are actually habits that I'm literally changing after this podcast episode. So half of them are things that I'm really going to try to work on and why I think possibly you should work on them too. And then half of them are things that I've changed about a year ago that I think have really helped me. But a lot of this episode is actually focused on this book I've been reading lately. And I had read bits and pieces of it here and there, but I hadn't read the whole thing probably because I assumed I was too busy to read the whole thing. And I'm so bad at reading, which is something I'm going to talk about. But it is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And I had heard such good things about this, but it's one of those books that I just kind of felt like I was going to pick up and it was just going to tell me not to be busy. It's bad to be busy. You're not focusing on the right things. And it is so much more than that. And so basically this entire podcast is about this book. So I would highly recommend getting it. It's a Christian book, but like I can't even express, even if you're not a Christian, I do think you should read this book because it is just, it's so much more than telling people to slow down. I heard this message and the thing that kind of bothers me is There are so many people who don't have the opportunity to live a slower life, who don't have, you know, the means to really have time to spend where they want to spend it. Like they're just, 
I think of single moms who are trying to provide for their family and also work at the same time. And and even if a family has both parents, it's expensive to live. And, you know, a lot of times both parents really have to work hard to provide for their family. And I just felt like it was almost kind of selfish to tell people to slow down. But I learned through reading this book, basically everyone has the opportunity to take something from this book, especially in the digital age that we're in and Mainly the things I'm talking about is how we subject ourselves to so much distractions and if you feel like you're living a frenzied life, we're slowly returning back to like normalcy that we had before and there can be a lot of pressure to go back into all these things that maybe you don't actually need to be going back into and so I just wanted to share my heart. I felt very convicted to do this episode because I think that a lot of my followers are actually similar to me and I just met a few you girls on Thursday who were so sweet but just like meeting subscribers it makes me realize that a lot of the things that I'm going through they're also going through and I think it's just always helpful when I do these podcasts about things that I personally feel convicted of and are just more heartfelt. I never want to do this podcast and just throw stuff together because I think that I need to post something on a Monday. Like this is at the forefront of my mind so it's what I'm going to share. I'm going to talk about a couple of things beforehand. The first thing is that Next episode, I'm actually going to be doing, I haven't even told my sisters this, but I want to do it. I want to do a life advice column episode that I typically do once a month, but I want to do them with my sisters. My sister Jamie, who's 24, and my sister Lindsay, who's 26. I just think it would be so fun to answer y'all's life advice questions with my sisters because I love them. I think that we grew up together. We just kind of did life together, and so they have kind of a similar mindset to me, but they're also much different than me, so I just think it would be cool to get like a different perspective on some of your advice questions. So if that's something you're interested in being a part of, I always ask for questions on my Instagram, but I always tell you guys to email me at butwhatsnextpod at gmail.com. That is but b-u-t what w-h-a-t s what's next n-e-x-t pod p-o-d at gmail.com you can email me there and email any life advice question that you need advice on it can be long it can be short i always keep them anonymous so your name won't be in it or you can just make sure to follow me on instagram because that's where i post when i'm actually doing them so i just wanted to put that out there if that's something you guys are interested in being a part of i'm really excited hopefully they say yes but I'm probably going to make them say yes, so it's going to happen for sure. So for my life update for this week, there's a couple of things. First, I have had a very social week, which has been really fun. I feel like I had seen my friend Kelly, who came into town from Florida. I saw my subscribers who I met up with. One of them was getting married this weekend, and so they invited me to like go get my nails done with them, which was so sweet. So I hung out with them. Rose is in town, so I saw her. And it just makes me think. I was talking about this with Aiden. I always had kind of assumed I was an introvert and someone who preferred being alone. But the more that I'm around people, the more I realize that I really do love being around people and it doesn't make me feel drained as much as it used to. I feel like I'm coming around becoming more of an extrovert and it makes me really happy because I like people and I've always wanted to be the person who really 
preferred to be around people but at the same time I do love my alone time so I just never felt charged by being around people and now I feel really charged I'm around people like it doesn't drain me which is a nice feeling another thing I wanted to say I recently opened a PO box and if you guys watch my videos it's in the description of my YouTube videos if you want to check it out but I've been getting just some of the nicest letters ever in my PO box and it really makes me realize and this is kind of why I said what I said earlier about feeling like you guys are in the same boat as me every time I get letters it's always kind of the same thing that people say, you know, why they actually keep up with my videos and my content. And it's always that it makes them feel better about living a simple life. And that kind of made me want to do this episode, especially because I've gotten so many of those and it makes me so happy because that is kind of one of my number one missions about doing these things is just really encouraging people to know that it's okay to live a simple life. It's okay to focus on your job and your friends and all the small things in between and if you don't have a crazy amount of friends if you don't have a crazy amount of things going on you're just living a simple what other people might say mundane life that that is okay and it's okay to find beauty in that and so I'm just so thankful I really am grateful for everyone who sent letters I have them in a box that I keep actually right above where I'm sitting in my closet And any day that I'm just feeling really down, especially about my job, feeling like insecure about something, I will go through and read those and they just make my day. And I know no one has to write a letter and honestly, I don't write a lot of letters now, but when I do, it takes a lot of effort. So I'm just so thankful that people physically write a letter, put a stamp on it, take it to their mailbox. It just makes my day. So I'm really grateful for that. And I wanted to put that in here because that's just something that's really been making my day here lately. guys probably know tax season is coming to a close here soon but it can be definitely a really stressful time for a lot of people which is why I just wanted to tell you guys about today's sponsor which is found found is an app that is business banking for self-employment when you're self-employed you have to do just a lot of different things that maybe you don't have to do when you have an employer so things like self-employed taxes you have to track your income you have to track your expenses and I love found because it kind of takes care of all these things that are more nitty-gritty things that may prevent people from actually starting a business and it simplifies them so you can focus on what you actually really love to be doing with your business. It has a business checking account, a business debit card, direct deposit, and ATM access and it also has an all-in-one business income and expense tracker and you can also customize your own categorization rules. It has a receipt capture, a note log, and the main reason why I love it is for all of its really awesome tax features. So it has a custom tax bill calculator because when you are self-employed you do have to pay those quarterly taxes and also has a dedicated tax savings account so you can make sure that you set aside the money for when you do have to pay those taxes it has intelligent tax withholding it has in-app tax payment so if taxes are just something that you don't like to do it takes care of that all for you and of course it's safe to use it is fdic insured and it has real-time transaction notifications just so you know that there's nothing suspicious going on with your account if this is something that interests you i will have found in the show notes of this podcast or you can go to found.app and you can open up your account for free in minutes there is no credit check there's no account minimums and so it's really easy to sign up and i'd highly recommend downloading the app and starting your own account today. So to start off, I wanted to talk about 
what it means to be living a life of hurry and why it's harmful to us and why I think it's important to combat it. In the book, there is actually a passage by writer Rollheiser. He's a Catholic writer. I think I'm saying his name right. But he says in the book, today, a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring to produce a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray, but simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God, depth, and spirit. We would like these. It's just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy life that they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major roadblocks today within our spiritual lives. And I like that he says habitually because you guys know I talk a lot about habits here on the podcast, but I think that a lot of times when we think of distractions, we think of things that are taking our attention But a lot of times there are habits that we are literally building into our own lives that we are doing to ourselves and we are pathologically busy because we have certain habits in our life. And this is where I sat down and asked myself these questions about, you know, why am I building habits that are keeping me from God? Why do I feel like other things are more important than spending time with God? Why do I feel like I'm less inclined to pray to God? And especially, why do I complain about feeling distant from God, but I'm not even making an effort to feel near to Him? I just constantly am letting insignificant tasks keep me from meeting with God. And I just had this moment where I asked, is this actually good for my soul? Do I actually feel fulfilled? And the answer was no. And I'm going to go into what I think exactly was distracting me but I really like in this book that John has this section where he says there are 10 different symptoms of hurry sickness which is kind of like this idea that you're just constantly living a life of hurry and he says you know check if these symptoms ring true for you and I was reading them and I was like yep that and that and that and that but there was one in particular that stood out to me but I'm going to read them and I would just encourage you to question if you personally struggle with this one is irritability You get mad, frustrated, or just annoyed way too easily. Little normal things irk you. People have to tiptoe around your ongoing low-grade negativity, if not anger. To self-diagnose, don't look at how you treat a colleague or a neighbor. Look at how you treat those closest to you, your spouse, children, roommate. Two is hypersensitivity. All it takes is a minor comment to hurt your feelings, a grumpy email to set you off, or a little turn of events to throw you into an emotional funk and ruin your day. Three is restlessness. When you actually do try to slow down and rest, you just can't relax. You give Sabbath a try and you hate it. You read scripture, but you find it boring. You have quiet time with God, but you can't focus your mind. You go to bed early, but you toss and turn with anxiety. You watch TV, but simultaneously check your phone, fold laundry, and get into a spat on Twitter. Okay, maybe you just answer an email. Four is workaholism or just nonstop activity. You just don't know when to stop. Or worse, you can't stop. Another hour, another day, another week, your drug of choice. Your drugs of choice are accomplishment and accumulation. Five is emotional numbness. You just don't have the capacity to feel another's pain. Six is out-of-order priorities. You feel disconnected from your identity and calling. You're always getting sucked into the tyranny of the urgent, not the important. Your life is reactive, not proactive. Seven is lack of care for your body. You don't have time for the basics. Eight hours of sleep. 
daily exercise, healthy home-cooked food, minimal stimulants margin. Eight is escapist behaviors. When you're too tired to do what's actually life-giving, you reach for a distraction of choice. Overeating, over-drinking, binge-watching Netflix, browsing social media, surfing the web. Name your preferred cultural narcotic. Nine, slippage of spiritual disciplines. If you're anything like me, when you get over busy, the things that are truly life-giving for your soul are the first to go. So just quiet time in the morning, scripture, prayer, Sabbath, worship. Ten is isolation. You feel disconnected from God, others, and your own soul. On those rare times when you actually stop to pray, and by pray, I don't mean ask God for stuff. I mean sit with God in the quiet. You're so stressed and distracted that your mind can't settle down long enough to enjoy the Father's company. So I don't know about you guys, but when he was reading those, I was like, yeah, I think every single one of those I relate to. But the one that especially stood out to me was the restlessness. And this is something I have found myself being increasingly prone to. Something that when I was younger, it just wasn't that big of a deal. Like when I was 18, I felt very comfortable resting. But sometimes when I sit down now and I read my Bible, I just feel like I'm reading it to check it off a list and say that I did it and I'm not actually reading the words that I'm reading or when I'm with people sometimes I will be so happy to be conversing with people but then I'll feel guilty like I haven't been on Instagram enough or I've been just off my phone or I'll be with them and feel like I need to be checking my phone or I just go to bed at night and I feel like I can't turn off my mind when I get in bed and I just feel like I'm always trying to rest but my body just won't let me And it always makes me think of, I've talked about St. Augustine in a lot of my more faith-based episodes, but he has his confessions and in it he talks about this aspect of us not being able to rest unless we're resting in him. But he says, Great are you, O Lord, and exceedingly worthy of praise. Your power is immense and your wisdom beyond reckoning. And so we men who are a due part of your creation long to praise you. We also carry our mortality about with us, carry the evidence of our sin and with it the proof that you thwart the proud. You arouse us so that praising you may bring us joy because you have made us and drawn us to yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And it's that last line of our hearts being restless until we rest in you. I find whenever I'm just unable to rest, I know that it's because I'm not thinking about God and I'm not having a right relationship with God. Also in the book, there's this quote from Wayne Moeller and it's on the principle of Sabbath, but he says, a successful life has become a violent enterprise. There's also this quote from Wayne Moeller. He has a book called Sabbath, but he says, a successful life has become a violent enterprise. We make war on our own bodies, pushing them beyond their limits, war on our children because we cannot find enough time to be with them. When they are hurt and afraid and need our company, war on our spirit because we are too preoccupied to listen to the quiet voices that seek to nourish and refresh us, war on our communities because we are fearfully protecting what we have and do not feel safe enough to be kind and generous, war on the earth because we cannot take the time to place our feet on the ground and allow it to feed us, to taste its blessings and give thanks. It really makes the distinction that being busy isn't about constantly having all these important things that you have to tend to and feeling like, oh my gosh, there are so many things out there and there's no way I can slow down because I just have so much going on. And I think a lot of people could look at me, someone who works from home, doesn't have a super demanding job or anything and be like, how can you feel like you can't rest when all you do is whatever people think about people who do like YouTube or social media full time. But I think anybody, no matter what job you're doing, whatever your lifestyle is, everyone has distractions that keep them from what's actually important. 
And he says in the book, worship and joy start with the capacity to turn our mind's attention toward the God who is always with us in the now. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul. I've said this line before, but I just think it's so good, so I'm reading it again. And what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. That bodes well for those apprentices of Jesus who give the bulk of their attention to him and to all that is good and beautiful and true in this world. But not for those who give their attention to the 24-7 news cycle of outrage and anxiety and emotion-charged drama or the nonstop feed of celebrity gossip and cultural drivel. I think that we like to pretend that there are all these outside things that are distracting us, but it's really our own desires that are the problem. All the things that we want that we shouldn't feel like we want. James 4, 1 through 3 says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And I've talked about this in, I think, my faith episode I did, but I learned in one of my classes, I really love, I have like mixed feelings about my college experience in terms of the social scene that I experience, but in terms of my education and especially the things that I learned about the Bible, I really do feel blessed because we did a lot of focus on talking about Augustine, which is why I think that these things are so important that I talk about here. I really do owe it to my college, but we learned a lot about this aspect of disordered loves and how a lot of times the things that you love in your life, it's not that those things are necessarily bad, but we love them in the wrong proportion that it makes us not live this balanced life because we're loving them too much or too little or more than something else. And this is something that Augustine talks about. He says, though something is good, it can be loved in the right way or in the wrong way. In the right way, that is when the proper order is kept. In the wrong way, when the order is upset. God thinks that our work is good. And obviously, being a hard worker is something that God really smiles upon. But you can love your work too much to the point where you neglect your family. You neglect your own spirituality. Are you loving your own comfort too much? Are you loving your own body too much? You know, for me, I talked about health and fitness in that one episode and my mindset on it. I used to think too highly of my body and always want to be working out a certain way or eating a certain way. And, you know, God wants us to love our bodies, but not to a point where it's making us have disproportionate love towards other things. And I think friends can be another area where you're spending all your time with your friends and neglecting other things. But friendship is actually a really good thing. And so so I just think that a lot of times you're made to think that your distractions are necessarily like bad things, but it's just the proportion that they are taking your attention is actually the bad thing. There's a quote from Andrew Sullivan in the book and it says, Modern life slowly weakens spirituality by design and accident in favor of commerce. It downplayed silence and mere being in favor of noise and constant action. The reason we live in a culture increasingly without faith is not because science has somehow disproved the unprovable, but because the white noise of secularism has removed the very stillness in which it might endure or be reborn. If the churches came to understand that the greatest threat to faith is not hedonism, but but distraction, perhaps they might begin to appeal anew to a frazzled, 
digital generation. One of the most powerful passages for me, especially how he talks about how a lot of times in the church, you know, you think that people are just less likely to be drawn to Christianity because they're drawn to hedonism in the world and whatever you think that it may be. But it's actually just the white noise of our generation. And it's probably the thing that you're listening to this podcast on, which is your phone, because I know that's what it is for me. And so I just took this passage and really wanted to think about what is white noise in my own life and how I want to relearn to embrace slowness and stillness and quiet. And so I have 10 different things that I'm trying to be better at or things that I have learned to be better at. And I'll make that distinction as I go through them. But the first thing is actually practicing a Sabbath. So this is something that I have truthfully never really done. And I had always known that a Sabbath is a good thing to practice. And I'll kind of talk about what Sabbath is if you guys don't know. But growing up, it was funny because we never really had like a serious Sabbath, but it was always a very chill day. We had this family who would come to church with us. I'm sure if you guys have been around for a really long time, their names are Michael and Michelle. And I still am really good friends with Michelle. Michael's like in middle school, I think at this point. And so they, and Michelle's in college, so we don't see them as frequently. But growing up, hanging out with them every Sunday was such a big part of my Sunday. So they would get picked up, we would go to church, and they would stay over till four. So we always had like this similar day on Sunday. But one thing that my mom was always big about was not shopping on Sundays, we would never like go to the grocery store or go shopping for clothes or anything like that. It was always Sunday was a day when we didn't shop. And I don't think it seemed like a big deal to me then, but I actually had a professor in college who was my entrepreneurship professor, but he talked about how he too never consumes on Sundays. That's not something he does. He doesn't like spend money on Sundays. And it's not because shopping was inherently bad, but it was just taking a break from something that increasingly we're so much more likely to do nowadays and just letting it be a slow day. And actually in the Bible, this is what he says about where Sabbath comes from. It says, so the story of the Bible starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But after six days of hard work to get the universe up and running, we read the following. By the seventh day, God had finished his work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Did you catch that? God rested. Yeah, I'm not really into the Sabbath. I'm an extrovert and I just like to stay busy. And God rested. Yeah, I get the Sabbath thing, but I work a demanding job that I love and I just can't make the time because God rested. Yeah, but I have two little kids at home. It's just not really doable right now. Maybe later when. Do I need to say it again? God rested. And in doing so, he built a rhythm into the DNA of creation, a tempo, a beat. God worked for six, rested for one. When we fight this work six days, Sabbath one day rhythm, we go against the grain of the universe. So I have never been someone who Sabbath. I think my Sundays are usually pretty slow, but a lot of it is focused on prepping for the week. So I'll get groceries and I'll look at my calendar and plan out what I need to get done for the week, which I don't think are bad things. But one thing that I haven't been doing at all is reading my Bible and reading a devotional and just sitting in silence. And I think having a day, especially for me, of being off my phone, sometimes I just always tell myself I need to be posting Instagram stories because it's my job. People are going to be less likely to engage with my Instagram if I don't post. And I never just take a day every single week of being off my phone. And the reason why is because I'm lazy, because it takes effort. But I really want to start taking one day a week off my phone, especially to just Sabbath. 
I don't know if this will be Sunday. I'm not someone who thinks it needs to be a certain day. And I actually have a funny story about that, about kind of like the legalistic side of Sabbath. My mom in college was dating a guy and she went to a Christian college. And I remember he got on to her because she was doing laundry on a Sunday. And he said that that was going against the Sabbath. (laughs) And so I do think it can go into a territory where you are too legalistic with it. So in the way that you feel would be best to discipline you to Sabbath, I think that that's the best way. And for me, that would definitely be taking a day off my phone. So I'll talk more about that. I'm probably going to mention it in a video or something and on Instagram. So we'll see. But that's definitely something that I want to start doing. Number two is actually reading. I was talking to my friend Kenzie Elizabeth the other day. I was over there because she is such an avid reader. She reads like a crazy amount of books a month. And I truthfully, like this book is one of the first ones. No, I read his other book pretty recently, but I'm just not someone who loves to read. I read a lot in college, but it was always for school. So I never learned to enjoy it that much. But the older that I get, the more I realize me saying, oh, I'm just not really a reader is actually me just being lazy and being more inclined to type on my phone than to actually sit down with a book. And I do think that reading is something that you have to train your mind to be into. And this will kind of go off what I'm trying to replace with reading and the next point, because it's like a personal conviction I have. But yeah, I think that reading is something that I really need to do more and I need to train my body to do more, especially at night. I hate the feeling of being online all day for work and then treating myself to watching a show after. Like, I just am so tired of that and I want to be better at actually reading and enjoying it because number three is actually to stop watching shows that I shouldn't be watching. This is me. I'm not going to say which shows, but there are a lot of shows that I've been watching lately that deep down I know aren't edifying, that aren't respectful to God, that aren't that aren't producing good fruit in my life by watching, but I always just say, oh, everyone's watching it. It's a distraction. It's not a big deal. It's just entertainment. But I just really felt convicted. I was watching this other show last night that, okay, I just need to stop watching things that aren't good for me. And so I actually deleted my subscription to whatever like service this was that I was getting the show from because I'm just tired of it. It's not good for me. And I think everyone is different with these things. I've talked about this, how A lot of us are really affected by movies. Some people are affected by music. Some people are affected by being around a certain person. And I think that as someone who does feel tempted by things, I'm always a believer just to cut the temptation. And for me, that was those shows that I was watching. And so getting rid of those and trying to replace them with actually reading good books and reading my Bible more... (laughs) Because I have been really neglecting actually having a quiet time in the morning. I have our puppy Cash now and I always use him as my excuse of like, oh, he needs to go out in the morning and I want to play with him because he's been in his crate all day and I also want to get a workout in. So I just skip through the morning and I don't have that quiet time. And I really do feel distant from God because of this. It's been quite a bit of time since I have really sat down. And I want to say that because I think I see people online who I think are good Christians or whatever. And I just always wonder, do they ever struggle with this? Because sometimes I feel like I have all these misplaced priorities. And so I just want to say, if you look up to me in faith that I too struggle with this, but I do feel convicted by it and I'm tired of it. 
and I do want to have a steady quiet time. And I think the thing about quiet time is you have to be disciplined with it. I'm actually talking about this later, so I'm not going to go into this, but it's a discipline. Number four is to actually get involved in church. So I just feel like I've been very lazy with church. I've been using COVID as an excuse like, oh, well, it's there are masks. It's hard to meet people yada 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 but I'm not really going out of the way to try to be better about being at church and being in church outside of church and always kind of rushing to get out because I'm like oh I need to get things together it's Sunday and just being really lazy with church I'm over it I have never been someone who felt really plugged in at a church I mean in New York we were going somewhere that I really liked but I never felt like I had a community there and I just would really like to have that And the honest truth is it may be at a different church than we're going to right now. We kind of just settled here because I don't think it's good to like hop around and try to find the perfect things. Perfect thing is probably not going to exist because a church is like a person who has a lot of flaws. And that's the truth. When we are so eager to kind of like judge and correct and feel like our church is wrong, I just don't think that's a good way to be. Like, yeah, there are obviously some things that are really bad that people shouldn't be doing, but it comes to a point where everyone's imperfect. And I think that that goes for church too, but I don't want that to be an excuse for why I'm not actually actively being a participant in church. This is a big one because I truthfully have been inspired by my road rage to say this, but it's embrace being inconvenienced. I am someone who doesn't like inconvenience. I don't like when people are late. I don't like when I'm late. I don't like when people cut me off when I'm driving. I don't like when I get an annoying email. And I just feel like the older I get, the more bothered I get by small things that really aren't a big deal. And I always think of my parents when I was growing up. I distinctly remember in my church, they were saying that there were a lot of families who were affected by Hurricane Katrina. This was back when that hurricane hit and they were literally displaced from their homes and they needed to stay with like a a home at someone's family for a month. And I remember my mom, this family, I think had like seven boys or something. It was like this crazy amount of kids. And my mom said, yeah, they can stay with us. And there was this family that stayed with us for a month. And it was so fun. Like, we had such a good time with them. My mom became really close with the mom and the family. And I remember how eager my mom was just to kind of drop whatever she had and whatever she wanted, like, her perfect house to be and was just so open to help whoever needed help. And I always think about her and I'm like, I want to be like that. I don't want to be the person who doesn't help someone when they're in need or when I feel like I'm so busy and so into my work. I feel like I need to drop that when people need help, especially like I'm sure you guys have had friends who you start talking to them and you can tell that they're really going through something and maybe they break down crying and you end up having like a two hour conversation with someone. And I just think like, I don't remember the last time that I was that for someone and it really breaks my heart because at the end of the day, I'm getting a little emotional because I just think that sometimes we get so caught up and all these things that are so not important when at the end of the day, it's like, those are the things that matter. I was reading 1 Corinthians and you guys have probably heard this verse. It's a very powerful verse about love, but it's chapter 13 verses four through eight. And it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And I just think about how that first line is love is patient and how 
bad I am at patience and how I always kind of let patience go out the door the minute when it's not serving me or it's not whatever. And it's why I just can't stand all this language language about always needing to be served by things and, you know, drop what doesn't serve you. And it's just so toxic because it's like, that is not how God acts towards us and sending his one and only son to die on the cross for us and him being so patient and kind. And that's what I want to be. I don't want to be the kind of person who just drop things when they don't serve me. And I think that sometimes I get so caught up in this language and I'm like, no, I don't want to be that. And it's about actively resisting that and being someone like my mom, who's just so eager to help people. And you know, that's how I want to be. Six is more of a practical one that I guess isn't really as emotional, but it's just to be okay with not working out every day. This is one that I've actually started doing the past year. Before, I would really beat myself up when I had a day of not working out, or I had a day of having like a really slow workout. And I used to be bothered by this, but Now I really realize that not every day needs a workout. Some days, there just isn't the time for that. And some days, you need other forms of exercise that isn't about physically going and getting a workout in. Number seven is to make the space for quiet time. Like I said, I think that having a quiet time in the morning of reading my Bible and praying and just really focusing on my relationship with God is so important. But A lot of times we just think that this is going to happen, but we don't actually make the space and the time and the environment for this happen because I really do think that praying is a spiritual discipline. And if you guys don't know what that is, I wanted to kind of share this bit. It's from gotquestions.org, but it says that discipline is defined as training expected to produce a specific character or pattern of behavior. Discipline is not part of the sin nature, but it is a natural component of the Christian life. In fact, almost nothing of any significance in our lives is ever accomplished without it. Spiritual disciplines can be described as those behaviors that augment our spiritual growth and enable us to grow to spiritual maturity. And it says the second discipline is that of prayer. Our prayers are a spiritual communion with God through means of thanksgiving, adoration, supplication, petition, and confession. The wonderful thing about prayer is that God meets us where we are. He comes alongside us to lead us into a deeper, more real relationship with him. Not motivated by guilt, but driven by his love. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes lives. Prayer changes history. Our knowing God really makes us want to conform to Jesus and his will for our lives. God slowly and graciously reveals himself to us while we pray, and it is during these moments that we can more deeply understand and experience his love. Of course, one of the major outcomes of disciplined prayer is answered prayer, but in all truth, that is secondary to the real purpose of prayer, which is an ever-growing, unending communion with God. And this all sounds so beautiful, and I'm like, why is it such an effort on my part that I can't even make to sit down and have this time with God? And so I really am going to start doing this this week. Like, I cross my heart because I am just tired of it. I'm tired of being too distracted to actually sit and pray and make things right and let God know that I'm grateful and just make it known. So this one is one that I have actually already done, but I'm obviously still working on. And that is just to stop buying so much stuff. (laughs) I have definitely started focusing more on living more minimally. I'd say my last year that I was in New York City, I had a room that just didn't have a lot of stuff in it. I really stopped doing as many clothing sponsors. There are certain clothing companies that I just don't prefer to work with anymore. I try to do just be more mindful about like specifically clothing sponsors because that's what I felt convicted in. I think everyone's convicted in different things. And I started being okay with repeating my outfits. I know that's a really basic one, but 
I feel perfectly fine wearing the same thing. So this is in the book, but he says on embracing simplicity, he says you have to cultivate a deep appreciation for the simple pleasure. We actually went to a wedding this past weekend and I was actually having a morning to myself. Aiden was really tired, so he was sleeping in and it was like 7.30. I just decided to get up and go for a walk. And I can't express how just walking there alone, I felt so in tune with God. I was just praying while I was walking and it was so simple. I just felt all this connection and I realized that like that is what life is about the simplicity of just not having a lot to distract you and it makes me think of a couple people that I love to follow if you're someone who likes to kind of be mindful about who you follow on Instagram or whatever I love ballerina farm she is a woman who runs a farm with her family her page is so so cute but they literally just show their chores every day, a very simple way of living. They work super hard. They're working like 12-hour work days, but I just love her content. I think she's really sweet. I believe she's Mormon. I really like her page though. And then I also love the Cottage Fairy on YouTube. She lives in a cottage out kind of in the woods somewhere, but she talks a lot about simplicity and she used to live in the city, kind of like a more busy life, but I just really, really love them. I think that their pages are great if you're trying to kind of follow content creators who focus on this. Number nine is finding better mentors and inspirations. I just want to say this because this is something that I had kind of a mindset shift. It is okay to have simple mentors and people that you look up to. I just think that I used to really idolize people who I saw kind of in the limelight living like these shiny lives. And I don't really get into celebrity culture anymore. I just don't feel like wowed by celebrities. There are certain people that I really like who are kind of more like influencers or whatever. But for the most part, I just think of people that are actually in my life that I look up to. I talk about my parents all the time because I just think my parents are beautiful. I posted this on my story the other day but my sister-in-law had dropped her engagement ring in our pool and our pool is really gross right now because after the storm it's just all green and the filters broke so they're trying to fix the pool but my dad literally jumped in this pool right away it's also really cold too and he was searching for this ring in this nasty water and it was just so pure and I just thought of that moment like yeah my dad is a very solid person and I look up to him because of instances like that not because he's a celebrity or someone who is super famous and the last one is just to resist the urge for more beyond even just buying things it's crazy because it's actually almost been a year since I started the podcast and I'm just so thankful for this platform, but one of the reasons why I started it was because of this verse. It says, but we urge you brothers to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. That's actually the reason why I started my podcast. I had a college professor who mentioned this in a class and I was like, I never heard that verse before. Like we live in New York City. Everyone's always telling you, you need to live this very ambitious life in terms of what ambition looks like from a worldly perspective. But I never heard this verse about just living simply. And I found this commentary that I think is actually really good on it. It's from Grace to You article, but it says the purpose underlying Paul's exhortation on work and motivating all his other injunctions to love, to live quietly and to mind their own business was evangelical. So 
so that the Thessalonians would behave properly toward outsiders. When believers display diligent work attitudes and habits and live in a loving and tranquil manner that respects others' privacy and does not intrude or gossip, it constitutes a powerful testimony to unbelievers and makes the gospel credible. And I always see that verse and it makes me think that I want to live my life in a way that makes the gospel credible to people who aren't Christians. And I'm not perfect. I make so many mistakes and I'll be the first one to say that. But I know that living frantically and prioritizing the wrong things and being too busy to help people and being living such a hurried life does not do justice to the love and the mercy that God shows me. And it definitely doesn't mirror the way that Jesus lives. And I'm just tired of living that way. I just don't want to live that way. And when I read this book, it just made me want to share that with you guys. And I would wholeheartedly from the bottom of my heart, I wish I could buy everyone a copy because it's just great. I'll have it in the description if you guys want to buy the book, but I just wanted to close with one of my favorite hymns. About, I would say, three years or so ago, I I made a shift from trying to just listen to, like, hymn worship music, not because I think it's more pious or whatever. I just personally resonate with it more, and I like the simplicity and the fact that these are hymns that have been sung by so many different people along so many generations. It's just really cool to me. But this one is Be Thou My Vision. We actually had this at the communion of our wedding, and I just think it's really beautiful. But I wanted to read the lyrics because I think that it kind of sums up everything. But it says, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word, I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great father, and I thy true son, thou in my dwelling, and I with thee one. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise, thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart, O King of glory, my victory. O King of glory, my victory won, rule and reign in me till thy will be done. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. I just think that there are a lot of things that try to captivate us. There are a lot of things that try to take our attention. But as a Christian, I want God to be my vision in the way that he wants me to live my life and not these other things. And so... I hope that this podcast episode just kind of encouraged you to reflect on the way that you're living and if it's in the way that the world likes to tell you that you need to be productive. Is it actually productive? Is it okay to slow down? Is it right to slow down? These are things that I've just been thinking about. And so let me know if you enjoyed. Let me know if you listened. Always like seeing you guys tag me in stories when you're listening. So feel free to do that. That's the best way to actually let me see like a DM or whatever. I just always see those. They come up on my feed and feel free to write a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. That helps the podcast. I always like to remind people if that's something you're so inclined to do. I can't believe it's almost been a year of doing my podcast. It's so crazy to me. I'm so happy to have this platform and I'm just so grateful that you listen. So I'm so thankful for you guys and I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Bye friends. Oh, 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 oh,